You're listening to the Meeting Midway podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Brad Biggerstaff. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. And now, let's meet Midway. This morning, we continue our series on the parables found in the Gospel of Luke. This morning's lesson is from Luke chapter 18, beginning with the first verse. Here now God's word to us this day. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Edward... Bennett Williams was a Washington lawyer who gained fame representing such clients as Frank Sinatra, Richard Nixon, and infamous crime boss Frank Costello. He was also the owner of the Washington Redskins and the Baltimore Orioles. One day, Williams was expecting a visit from Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She was raising funds for a hospital for AIDS patients, and so she made an appointment with him because he was in charge of a large charitable foundation. Before she arrived, William writes in his biography that he told his partner, you know, AIDS is not my favorite cause, but I've got this saint coming to see me and I don't want to be rude. So together they agreed that they would politely let her make her case and then, you know, respectfully tell her no to her request. Well, Mother Teresa arrived, and as anticipated, she made her case for the hospital. William said, we're touched by your appeal, Mother, but We've already decided to focus on famine relief, so I'm sorry to say, but our answer is no. Mother Teresa said, let us pray. So they bowed their heads, and she prayed. And after the prayer, she made the same request again, word for word. And again, Williams politely said no. Mother Teresa said, let us pray. 
the cycle went on two more times. Re request and prayer, request and prayer. Finally, with exasperations, William threw up his hands, looked up at the ceiling, okay, okay, get me my checkbook. <laughs> Mother Teresa's persistent prayers paid off. The widow was at the mercy of the judge. He was her only hope for getting justice against her adversary. We don't know the details of her case, though we are acquainted with the extreme vulnerability of widows, particularly in that culture where they were completely dependent upon the remaining men in their lives to take them in and to provide for them. This is why there are so many admonition in the scriptures to care for widows along with orphans and foreigners because they were totally dependent on the compassion of others for their well-being. Exodus 22:21 reads, you shall not wrong or oppress a resident alien for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall not abuse any widow or orphan if you do abuse them when they cry out to me. I will surely heed their cry. Likewise, Zechariah 7, 9 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor. The widow's only hope lies in the hands of a judge of questionable character who could care less about the scales of justice. After repeated appeals, he finally grants her request for a judgment in her favor. He does so, though, not to uphold the law, but because she has become such a nuisance that the judge was worn down by her persistence. Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. Literally what the judge says here is that the widow was giving him a black eye. In other words, the spectacle of the widow repeatedly pleading her case draws unwanted attention to the judge that could threaten to leave a black stain on his reputation. Luke tells us at the outset the reason why Jesus told this story found only in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. That is what the lesson is about then, right? It is about being persistent in prayer. Or is it? If we isolate the parable from its context within Luke, that's exactly what it is about. And a sermon solely on that subject is appropriate and expected. In fact, I have one in my file in my office that I could have used today. The problem, though, is the 
pesky context in which Jesus tells this parable. And where a scripture lies or falls has everything to do with its interpretation. So what is it that prompts Jesus to tell this parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge? The story is his response to a question from the Pharisees back in chapter 17, verse 20. When is the kingdom of God going to come? The parable then is Jesus' answer to the Pharisees' question about when God's kingdom is going to be established and God's justice will reign supreme. Jesus himself summarizes the meaning of the parable, saying, Will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. The parable follows the logic of lesser to greater. That is, if a judge who has no reverence for God or for concern for people will grant justice to get rid of a pesky widow, how much more will God grant justice to his own children who cry out to him? It's the same kind of argument found back in chapter 11, where Jesus tells a parable about being persistent in prayer there. The story is about a neighbor who comes at midnight asking for food to feed an unexpected house guest. There, Jesus says, even though the man will not get up and give anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Then Jesus says, Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Neither story, then, is an analogy in which we are to draw a straight line between God and an unsavory character in a story. God is not a drowsy man reluctantly helping a friend whose persistence is keeping him awake. Nor does God have anything in common with a shady judge who begrudgingly grants a widow justice just to get him off his docket. Rather, the point is that if an unethical judge will do the right thing just to get rid of an annoying widow, then how much more? How much more can we trust a loving God to establish his just kingdom when we cry out to him? The problem as I see it 
is that Luke's readers have been looking for the second coming of Christ for some time now. For, in fact, for several generations. They've grown weary of waiting and suffering rejection and persecution for their faith. They have been praying, thy kingdom come for an awfully long time. They want vindication, and they wanted it yesterday. And so do we, do we not? Maybe we don't yearn for it, you know, with the same kind of intensity as those early followers who expected Jesus to return any day. After all, it's been 2,000 years. But do we not long for justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream? Do we not long for a ceasefire in our streets, our schools, our churches, and our homes? Do we not long for a home for every parentless child, food for every person who hungers, where they they are across the street or across the globe in places like Venezuela. In a country marked by the vitriol of our politics, we yearn for a kingdom where the lion shall lay down with the lamb and swords will be beat into plowshares and where people like the Kurds will have a homeland and not be dependent on someone else to protect them. But do we pray for it? Do we pray for this kingdom, much less pray for it with persistence? And more to the point, do our actions match our prayers? Do we act in concrete ways to help bring about God's kingdom on earth. Young Sup Yoon is a man from Korea who is seeking ordination in our conference. He is also a doctor, a cardiologist, who came to the States to work at Emory, where he heads up a lab developing new stem cells to treat heart ailments. In other words, he's brilliant. He's also a passionate Christian who has evangelized many young people who have worked under him in his lab. Among these converts was a post doctoral student who he personally brought from Korea to come over and work in his lab at Emory. One day she came to him with exciting news that she had created some new stem cells. And the whole lab celebrated because this was something that Dr. Yoon had been working on for many years trying to do. Soon Dr. Yoon made assignments for some follow-up projects to be done on those cells. And he began receiving reports from various lab workers 
that something was wrong with the cells, that they weren't reacting right. They were acting strangely. After a while, the problem was uncovered. The cells were not what the lab assistant had claimed them to be. She had fabricated her research. Dr. Yoon was devastated, and he went home that night and he prayed. And after he prayed, he decided that he would forgive her and quietly release her without penalty. But then he received a call from the administration. The woman had hired an attorney, an attorney that had won multi-million dollar lawsuits against Emory. She was accusing Dr. Yoon of forcing her to fake the creation of the cells. Over the coming months, an investigation took place. A hearing was held and interviews were conducted. Dr. Yoon's accuser had hidden or thrown away much of the evidence, so it was difficult for Dr. Yoon to make a defense. But he thought, as surely as God's lived, lives, the matter would quickly be resolved. However, the situation only seemed to get worse. He received a letter from Emory cautioning him against his evangelism efforts because it was against policy. And then another letter telling them that if the findings were against him, that he would lose his job. Dr. Yoon says he asked himself, where is God? Where is his justice? Well, one day he came from home from work and he discussed the situation with his wife. So they decided to pray about it. And after they prayed, they had heard God telling them to pray about the situation every night for an hour. How many of y'all pray for an hour every day? No shit. Every night for an hour. So before bedtime, they would kneel beside their bed and pray. This went on, not for days, but for month after month after month. And sometimes it seemed like such a huge burden for them to keep praying. And there were many evenings that Dr. Yoon wanted to give up, but they persisted in the prayer. Many people advised Dr. Yoon to get a lawyer, including his own father. But whenever he knelt down to pray, he heard God telling him, wait and trust me. Finally, after more than a year, a forensic computer analyst, through a complicated recovery process, I couldn't possibly understand anything about, but he was able to retrieve the fabricated, the fabricated data from the accuser's computer. At long last, Dr. Yoon was exonerated. In reflecting on his ordeal, Dr. Yoon says this, because of my suffering, 
I started to pray. I had to pray much longer or more desperately than I ever thought. However, God helped me to pray with persistence. And I'm deeply grateful to become a witness to this amazing work. These experiences in prayer led me to also realize the sufferings of people and their desire for God's justice. Through his persistent praying, Dr. Yoon not only received justice for himself, but also gained a deeper understanding of God's desire for justice for all who suffer in this meantime in which we live. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul writes, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to miss. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. In other words, never give up. Like Dr. Yoon, my brothers and sisters, that's, that's what we are to do. As a people who desire to see the shalom, that peace of God's kingdom come, we who live in this in-between time between Christ's coming and Christ's coming again are to be persistent in praying, thy kingdom come while backing up our prayers with a ministry that helps balance the scales of injustice of this world. When, Lord, when? asked the Pharisees. But that was the wrong question. The better question is the one that Jesus asked in conclusion and yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let us pray. You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.